Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is sponsored, as always, by Bet Online. Use the code BLUEWIRE. Get a welcome bonus. Works out for everybody. Sorry, a little bit tired. It's just after midnight here. Round one is over and the Lions did not trade down. They did not make a big move. They did exactly what you thought they might do, which is this. They took cornerback Jeff Okuda from Ohio State with the number three pick. They stayed put. Turns out, according to my colleague Adam Schefter, that while there were discussions with Miami and there were discussions with the Chargers and reported discussions with Jacksonville about trading up. There ended up being no offers on the table to move up. And when you look at how the draft played out, that shouldn't actually be surprising because Miami stay put, still got Tua. The Chargers stay put, still got Herbert. So why would they have made a move if they read the board and really felt like they were not going to need to move to get their guy. Why give up capital just because? You knew the Giants weren't going to take a quarterback. You knew Washington wasn't going to take a quarterback. You knew the Lions weren't going to take quarterback. Cincinnati took Joe Burrow. So if you're Miami, you can just sit there and you you kind of roll with it, which is exactly what they did. And instead, the Lions basically got the player at three that they would have gotten five or at six. That's just what would have happened in this draft. So I've seen a lot of the complaints about why didn't the Lions trade down? Bob Quinn didn't try hard enough. He didn't put up enough of a smokescreen. He did what he could. Honestly, you heard him talking about wanting to trade down, wanting to trade out of that pick. You heard about conversations that they were talking as far back as the combine. And don't forget, there were rumors a while back that Bob Quinn shot down, and frankly, rightfully so shot down, that Matthew Stafford was maybe being traded. Because here was the thing, it never made any sense. If it was something that made sense that Matthew Stafford could be traded and it would have been financially feasible, then sure, go with that. But the thing is, it just didn't financially add up. So it was kind of, I don't even know how to describe what it was exactly. 
it was just kind of nonsensical that it wasn't going to happen. So you didn't have that chip to maybe try to create some stuff with Tua or with Justin Herbert. It just didn't happen. So what the Lions did was they took the best cornerback on the board. They took somebody they feel like they can plug in from day one and have be a starter, potentially be an impact starter for them at a position of massive need. And the Lions needed a cornerback desperately. Because, listen, Desmond Trufant could still be a good player, but Jeffrey Okuda should be the team's number one corner before long. I don't know if he starts the season that way, but he should be their number one corner from pretty quickly. He can play in any coverage you want. He can play zone. He can play man. He's a really good press corner. He's not a speedster. You know, you saw that with a 4 4 8 40, 40 time, but he doesn't necessarily need it. And we'll get into that a little bit more with a quickie guest tonight, Doug LeMaurice from Cleveland.com, who's covered Jeffrey Okuda for his entire time at Ohio State. He comes on and breaks down a little bit of what the Lions are getting in Jeffrey Okuda. But it was the right move for the Lions. It was a smart move for the Lions, especially if they couldn't trade down. You saw how the draft board went after that. And frankly, it was the sensible move. We've talked so much about Jeffrey Okuda over the last few weeks of why it made sense. And now it's come to fruition. And anyone who's really bothered by this, I'm sorry. I just don't get it. You, You wanted this to be the pick in many ways by many people for months. This was the pick that it looked like it was going to be for months. And now because you didn't get the trade down scenario, you're mad about it. I don't know what to tell you. Teams need to be willing to trade in order to trade. And if the Lions couldn't find a team that was willing to trade, you can't make a trade. So don't get all mad about it. Like, it's just, no, just stop. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to be mad about it. The Lions got a very good player in Jeffrey Okuda. A fantastic player in Jeffrey Okuda, whose floor is potentially above average starting in the NFL. That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario, he's an all pro. He's a pro bowler. You look at other cornerbacks who've been taken recently in the top five, and their names read like an all pro pro bowlist. Denzel Ward, Patrick Peterson, and Jalen Ramsey. Well, if... Jeffrey Okuda has a career like any of those three. And obviously we've seen more of Ramsey's career and Peterson's career than what's gone on so far with Denzel Ward. The Lions would be very, very happy with what they get out of their number three overall pick. He's a very smart player. He called himself a technician. He's already reached out to Darius Slay. He reached out to Ramsey. And he's said he's going to follow Desmond Trufant everywhere to try and understand their processes, what worked for them, what didn't work for them early in their career, so that way he can shorten that learning curve process. He's played cover one, he's played cover three, he's played cover two, he played zone a little bit more this past year, but earlier in his career he played man press. He's going to be on your top receiver most of the time, especially once he grows a little bit more in the league. And as you'll hear from Doug LeMaurice right after this break, you'll hear what he thinks about how he can handle top receivers because he's seen him do it for a long time now. And Doug is coming up right after this 
break. And then after the interview with Doug, we'll get a little bit into what to expect from day two. Ad read coming down in three, two, one. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still also bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan Tautog eating contest. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. And now, back to our show. My guest really quickly on this first round of the NFL Draft edition of the Michael Rothstein Show is Doug Maurice, who covers Ohio State for Cleveland.com, which means he covers new Lions cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. It's like 11 o'clock-ish right now on, uh, on Thursday night, and they're at pick 22 in the draft. So thanks for making a few minutes. Thanks for having me, Mike. So I guess let's start right here. What should people know about Jeffrey Okuda? I think he is the Michael Thomas of cornerbacks. Um, and that's Michael Thomas, who's the best receiver in the NFL out of Ohio State. Um, he's not a speed burner. He's a total pro. He um, has acted like an NFL guy since the day he got to Ohio State. He is um, really smart. He's going to work his butt off, but like he's a really good athlete. Like he's the prototypical guy you want. And so Ohio State recruited him out of Texas, and everyone's making a, a big deal about, you know, how many Ohio State cornerbacks have been picked in recent years. And Okuda like came to Ohio State because of that. Ohio State was already rolling with corners. So this was a guy who was the top cornerback recruit in the country, picked a place where he could develop and was on a three-year plan and, like, just totally gets it. He reminds me of Michael Thomas. He reminds me of Malcolm Jenkins, who was a first-round pick out of Ohio State. Another just, like, total tough guy, total pro. Um, I just think – I think he's going to be great, and I think it's a great pick for the Lions. Is he better in man or is he better in zone? And how is he as a press corner? So they played mostly press man his first two years. Um, he really came on the end of his sophomore year. And then his junior year last season, they switched to – they had a – you know, Ryan Day, first year as head coach. They had a new defensive staff. The defense didn't play that well in 2018. The defense in 2019 was great. So they went between cover one and cover three looks. So he was pressed up sometimes, sometimes playing off coverage. I think he got, he got his first interception as a junior, and that was because his first two years he was playing so much press man. Sometimes, you know, you don't get a chance to get your head around and make a play on the ball. I think he's really good in press man. He'll smother you. He is twitchy. I think he can turn and run with you. Again, he's not a 4-3 four, four, guy. He's not going to cover the fastest guy in the field on a, on a fly route down the field. But he'll, he'll get up on you and be really physical, and he's a really good tackler. So I think he can play both, and I think when he got to play some off coverage or some zone looks this year, which they did about half the time, then he got to be more of a ball hawk and make plays on the ball. But he definitely has press man experience, and I think he can play every coverage. 
you mentioned that he's not going to be able to necessarily stick with a speed a speed guy on a fly down the field. There's a lot of NFL receivers who are really, really good at that. Give give me an idea of what you mean when you say that. Do you mean that he's maybe doesn't have good closing speed or is he just not as fast off the ball? Where where does that kind of become an issue? It's more of a 40 time thing to me that you know, a guy like Denzel Ward out of Ohio State, he was the number four pick a couple years ago for the Browns. He's a smaller guy, but he runs like in the four threes and, and he can just fly. That's not Okuda. But I think, I mean, yes, Mike, there are those receivers who can get down the field um, and beat you deep. But there's also a lot of really good receivers who work the middle of the field, who are physical, who go up and catch the ball in traffic. And I would put Jeff Okuda on Michael Thomas. I'd put him on Julio Jones. I'd put him on Odell Beckham. You know, I think he can take away or handle number one receivers. So, you know, I get it. You know, Henry Ruggs goes as a first receiver off the board as a super fast dude. Um, I just think it's just a matter of his 40 time is not going to be up there with the fastest of the fast guys. But he is really smart. He has great technique and he's really physical. So I think that is going to serve him very well in a lot of matchups. Does he play faster than that? Because his 40 time was 4.48 for those who don't know. Still very, very fast, by the way. <laughs> but does his 40 time, does he play faster than his 40 time? Or is that somewhat true to, to what you saw? Yeah, I mean, this is not a guy. Here's the thing that's a little bit hard, Mike, is that the quarterbacks in the Big Ten stink for the most part. So a lot of this, I mean, you're not getting tested every week when you're at Ohio State because Ohio State has a good quarterback, but, but who's going to test you? Shea Patterson going to test you? Nate Stanley going to test you? You know, I mean, it's just – it's not a league. Sean Clifford, it's not a league where even, even the good teams in the Big Ten don't have very good quarterbacks. So, you know, Chase Young's in the backfield every play. It's not a guy – they don't have great quarterbacks they're going against. So, so it is sometimes easy to look good. But I am telling you, this guy will get up on you. So – and he is a student of the game. So, um, I just I just think he's made for this in a way. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes, Mike, that sometimes – I think corners get picked on speed and so do receivers. And it's like, I, we all know fast guys. Great. You're fast, but you don't get open by five yards very much in the NFL. So whether you're a receiver or a cornerback, you're going to be making plays on the ball with guys. You're going to have, you have to make good reads. You have to play good technique and have good leverage and, and understand defense as an offense. So that's where I think Jeff Okuda is going to be ready from day one. When <laughs> When you look at him as a player, you've covered you covered him for three years. What's maybe the one thing that stood about out about him off of the field? Together, mature from day one, like never seemed like a kid, you know, never seemed like bright lights were too much for him. You know, he didn't he came in, he was a five-star recruit, was one of the ten best recruits in the country, you know, played as a freshman, wasn't out there every snap. Um, played okay as a sophomore in 18 and really came on at the end of the year in 18 and talking about not playing great quarterbacks in the big 10. Um, when they played in the Rose bowl against Washington in 2018, at the end of that year, that guy had an unbelievable game. 
and you were like, there is the Jeff Okuda that they were, you were looking for. And so they had a rough time on defense in 18, but then he, and then in 19, he was kind of lights out from the get-go. They got better secondary coaching, but he was always ready for it. And at a place like Ohio state, some guys are ready for it from day one and some guys aren't, but Malcolm Jenkins, who's still in the league. I've covered Ohio state for 15 years might be my favorite guy I've covered because he's so just like smart and just a great thinker off the field, but on the field, he will kill you. And that's what Okuda's like. Like Okuda was like a grown man talking to him when he was 18. And then he got on the field and he will tear your head off. Just one last question. Like you were mentioning the, like kind of that first really breakout game, that standout game where you're like, okay, like he's doing it against a real quarterback. Walk me through what you saw in that game that told you that. Some closing speed, some instances where it looks like, is that a play that can be made there? And Washington was pretty good that year. Jake Browning was a quarterback. He's a bit of a noodle arm, so it's not like he was playing Trevor Lawrence. But just like making plays on the ball in a way that was like, man, it felt like you were not going to complete a pass on him that game. In a high-level game, high pressure, Urban Meyer's last game, Rose Bowl, big spotlight. And it felt like he was a lockdown corner. So that's what showed up of like, you kind of were waiting for that. Like five-star recruit at a place that produces cornerbacks, you're expecting a lockdown corner. And by the end of his sophomore year, it was like, yes, that's where it is. And, I, and I'll add this. Again, there's this run of Ohio State corners from Bradley Roby to Garyon Conley and Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple and Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett. Of that whole group, and again, Denzel Ward went fourth, Eli Apple went 10th. I think the best two of that long list of Ohio State first-round corners in recent years are Marshawn Lattimore, who was the 11th pick and was the defensive rookie of the year, and Okuda. And if I had to take one guy in that list, I would maybe make it a toss-up between Okuda and Lattimore. But if that's my comparison, like I said, Lattimore was the defensive rookie of the year. So that's where I think Okuda is at that level. Hey, Doug, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to kind of give my listeners a little bit of an idea of what the Lions are going to be getting in Jeffrey Okuda. Thanks, as always, for coming on. You're actually my first two-time guest. So I'm very, very appreciative. If people remember, we talked about Chase Young in, I, don't, I guess it was November, yeah. back when it looked like the Lions might be, uh, you know, I guess not tanking for for Chase, but, you know, being bad for Chase Young. And they just weren't necessarily quite bad enough for Chase Young, but they did get Jeffrey Okuda. Doug, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I'll expect the uh, car wax or whatever comes in the mail for my two-time appearance. Um, You get a guitar pick. How's that? I'll take it. I appreciate (laughs) it, Mike. It was fun. Take care. I want to thank Doug for very last minute deciding to be able to come on the show for 10, 15 minutes, whatever that was. Uh, hopefully gave you some insight on what you're getting in Jeff Okuda. And now we'll look very quickly at day two of the NFL draft. And there's going to be a lot of players still there, still talented players for Detroit to take at number 35. So what might they do? Well, let's start at edge rusher where... There are options. A.J. Apenza, who we've talked about a lot on this show, he could be available at 35. He's sitting there right now. He's the best defensive end 
on the ESPN DraftCast board that's left. Marlon Davidson also out there. Julian Aquara, Romeo Aquara's younger brother, potentially an option too. You also have Yator Grosmatos from Penn State. He fell a little bit. And don't don't sleep on Curtis Weaver, especially maybe if they wait till the third round. Same thing with Josh Uche from Michigan and Bradley Ane maybe later in the third round. It would not shock me if they took a edge rusher defensive end type tomorrow night or actually tonight by the time you listen to this because actually it is early Friday morning when I'm recording this. Edge rusher is a place that I think the Lions will look. I expect them to look here on Friday. Beyond the edge rusher, which again I think is a big need, you look at the board right now, running back, would it be shocking if they took a running back really quickly, especially if both DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins are both still sitting there, Jonathan Taylor also on the board. That could be a really strong position to maybe get the best running best running back in the draft, depending on how you view it, because obviously the Chiefs took Edwards Hilaire, but if you think Swift or if you think Dobbins is the or Taylor are the best running back in the draft, maybe you take him at number thirty-five. Bob Quinn, something in his post-first round presser, did say that the early second round is a big trade back area as well. So don't be surprised if the Lions maybe move back a few spots because there is some depth here. There is some safety depth as well. Xavier McKinney's still on the board. He was thought to be a first-round pick. You've obviously also got Antoine Winfield Jr., who's a safety there. There's also some offensive and defensive linemen, where another area where the Lions do need some help. Ezra Cleveland is an offensive tackle. Ross Blacklock is going to be a player to watch. The Lions do need a defensive tackle. Obviously, they were maybe debating between Derek Brown and Jeff Okuda. So Blacklock could give them an impact defensive tackle really early here on day two. Wouldn't be shocked to see him be the pick if he's still there at number 35. A couple of other guys to watch. Obviously, corner's pretty much out of play, but Jordan Elliott from Missouri, Justin Madubike from Texas A&M. Again, both defensive tackles, both worth watching for the Lions. Zach Bond's going to potentially be sitting there at 35 as well. The Lions don't have as big of a need at linebacker, but could be a value situation at that point. Obviously, then there are the receivers. Michael Pittman's out there. He's maybe the top receiver left on the board. Arguably, obviously, if T. Higgins there as well from Clemson, those might be the first two receivers that go tomorrow. But Denzel Mims from Baylor is there. There's just going to be a lot of talent sitting here pretty early in the second round that if you can move back and maybe pick up an extra third or something like that, it could really be worth your while if you're the Lions. And, of course, they also have... Interior of the offensive line, they do have a need there. Robert Hunt's top-rated guard left on the board. He could be a potential option for them. Then you're looking at Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, but you may be able to get him in the third round. Same thing with Ben Barch from St. John's in Minnesota. So you have some options here if you are the Lions that you should be able to get a good player, a talented player here at 35, or if you trade back, still get a talented player, hopefully not too far down on the second round, but maybe even pick up another day two or early day three pick. It's going to be a lot of action tomorrow. We'll be back with you to kind of break it all down then.
Thanks, as always, for sticking with us here. Thanks to my producer, David Woodley, for staying up late. Really appreciate Blue Wire and Regents Field and Bet Online for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can follow me at Mike Rothstein on Twitter, on Instagram, at Michael Rothstein Journalist on Facebook. If you've gotten this far, we're going to probably do a Facebook chat before rounds two and three tomorrow, and we'll probably do an Instagram live chat at some point during rounds two and three tomorrow, depending on when prospects are made available. So watch out for that live. I'll be posting about that on the Twitters. And other than that, really appreciate y'all hanging out, and we'll talk with you again tomorrow. (laughs) 